In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus was teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God, and he said, the violent take it by force. Why would he say such a thing, and what did he mean? Find out on this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus gave one of the most peculiar teachings to be found in the Gospels. In verse 12 of that chapter, he said, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. If you were to take that literally, it sounds like Jesus is mustering up violent opposition, maybe an army of radicals to fight against the Romans and run them out of Israel. What did he mean by such a statement? Well, let me give you the backstory first. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of that chapter. It says, It came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples who came to Jesus and said, as John's representatives, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And Jesus responded, go and tell John the things which you see and hear. Listen, when God is really moving, you should not only hear things, but see things happening in order to receive the evidence of his reality. He said, go and tell John the things you see and hear The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That was a prophecy from Isaiah 61, that the poor would have the good news preached to them. And so that was a sign that this was truly the Messiah. And then Jesus said, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. And then he began to praise John the Baptist, even though John had this bout with doubt. Have you ever had a bout with doubt where things you thought you were completely convinced of, instead you begin to waver concerning? Well, in prison, he was wondering if Jesus was really the Messiah, I believe, because he heard about his lifestyle. Being a very austere prophet who lived in the desert and had a very limited food supply, locusts and wild honey, and wearing just camel skins for garments, he thought most likely he had this preconceived idea that the Messiah would be even more austere, more withdrawn from the world, and instead he's eating with publicans and sinners. He's hanging out with those Jewish people would have considered unclean, and that just boggled John's mind to the point where he had doubts because Jesus did not fit in the mold of what he thought he would be. And I think that happens a lot in all of our lives. We have a certain preconceived idea of the way we think God's going to move or the things God 
is going to do in our lives or in the lives of others. And then he doesn't match our expectations. And we have about with doubt. And that's what happened with John. And then Jesus, instead of criticizing him, began to praise him. And he said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? See, when the wind blows, all the reeds bend the same direction. So in other words, he was saying that uh, John was somebody who broke from the mold, somebody who didn't just go with the general trends of the day. He was not a reed shaken by the wind. And the Bible also talks about uh, every wind of doctrine. So that's uh, one way that people are shaken like reeds with the wind. They just accept and believe whatever megatrends are going through the body of Christ. And he said, what did you go out to see, a man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft garments are in king's houses. What did you go out to see, a prophet? And yes, I say unto you, he was more than a prophet. Why? Because he was the fulfillment of prophecy. Malachi 3.1 prophesied about John, and these words were spoken. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And so that was a prophecy that Jesus would have an introduction to Israel through John, that he would prepare the way for the Lord. And then Jesus said a beautiful statement. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow, what a statement. So the person who thinks he or she is the most insignificant person in the body of Christ is greater than John the Baptist? Why? Primarily because of the privilege of what we have inherited in the new covenant, which is a regenerated spirit, being born again, having the indwelling of the presence of God on a constant basis, being cleansed by the blood of Jesus and brought into union with God with the curse of sin broken. These were experiences John did not have, even though he was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. We don't know that the Spirit dwelt within him constantly. Now you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit, and God dwells in us constantly. Day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment, we are filled with the presence of God. And that puts us on a level that John wasn't at yet, because he lived before the cross and before the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then Jesus said this powerful statement, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. How curious is that? First of all, the question surfaces in my mind, why was that the case just from the days of John the Baptist forward? Why didn't the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which are synonymous terms, I believe, why didn't the kingdom suffer violence before John got here? Because John was the main one that announced his coming. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus came along and echoed that same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And because they began to pronounce and declare the manifestation of the kingdom, there was a backlash from the demonic world 
against this to try and prevent it from coming to pass. But see, what the enemy intends for evil always works for good. And whatever the enemy tries to do to stop the progress of God's purposes always ends up furthering the progress of God's purposes. It happened that way when Jesus went to the cross. What looked like was the end of his ministry became the beginning of a much greater thing that he would be doing. So to be on the devil's side is to be on the side of the loser, the, the biggest loser there is. So Jesus said, the kingdom of God suffers violence. So the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the reason I believe those terms mean the same thing is it's talking about the kingdom two ways, by referring to the one who rules the kingdom or by referring to the place from which it is ruled. It's like talking about the United States by referring to the president or referring to Washington, D.C. It's the same thing. And you're referring to the one who rules the kingdom, God, or referring to the place from which it's ruled, heaven. So it's the same thing. And he said, the kingdom suffers violence. What does that mean? Well, of course, it means opposition. Opposition from the world, opposition from people, opposition from the demonic powers that would like to stop the progress of the kingdom. That makes sense. But then he said, the violent take it by force. If the kingdom suffers violence, why would he encourage his disciples to be the violent in that kind of scenario? Well, it helps to go to another passage of Scripture and and to also look into the original Greek. The word that is translated violence is the Greek word biazo, B-I-A-Z-O. And it's translated violence, and then violent is translated from the Greek word biastes. And how would that relate to this passage, and how would understanding the Greek help us understand what Jesus is saying? Because in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, you have a similar kind of statement. Jesus said, the law and the prophets were until John. And now the kingdom of God is being preached, and every man presses into it, presses into it. And the word translated presses or pressing into it in some versions is biazo, same word that's translated violence in Matthew eleven twelve. So Jesus is not talking about his disciples being violent like angry, destructive people are violent. He's talking about being forceful against the things that come against us. Let me read it again. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. See, you've got to be a fighter if you're going to progress in the kingdom of God. We fight the good fight of faith. And if we come under the power of oppression and depression and compression, See, there's all kinds of pressures that come against a child of God from the past, from the present, from the future, from the demonic world, from your own mind, from the people around you. There's all kinds of pressure that you face. And you've got to make up your mind. You're not just going to sit there and allow yourself to be beat up mentally and emotionally and spiritually. You've got to muster the strength internally to fight back. 
not with the kind of violence the world uses, but fight back with faith and fight back with confidence and fight back with trust in God and trust in his purposes and taking authority over the enemy and taking authority over your flesh and taking authority over circumstances. Walk into a negative-filled situation and say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I quote that passage from the Lord's Prayer almost every time I go into the pulpit because I am asserting that the kingdom of God is in authority in that room and that there is no demon power afflicting any person in that room that has power over the power that flows through the kingdom. See, if I just went in there with a lackadaisical, carefree attitude, I would never survive in the pulpit and never help anybody. You've got to go into that holy place with the mindset the kingdom's going to advance, and I'm pushing against everything that's pushing against God's people. That's the word biadso that is translated pressing or presses in Luke 16, verse 16. But let's go just a little bit further. There is another word we need to inspect. Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Well, why would you take the kingdom of God by force if you're a child of God? Because it's given to you as a gift. Jesus told his disciples, it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So you don't have to take something by force that already belongs to you right? Well, look at it a little different way. First of all, let's go back to the Greek, because the word that is translated force there is the Greek word harpazo, H-A-R-P-A-Z-O. And it's the same word, curiously, that was translated caught up in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. Listen to it. It's talking about the coming of the Lord. It says, the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazo. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now that's going to be a forceful event, isn't it? The Lord Jesus, in a sense, it won't happen exactly this way, but... I'm just creating a picture so we can see the intensity of it. In a sense, the Lord will reach down into the dust and seize the dust that used to be the body of those that served him and loved him, the bodies that are buried all over the world, the bodies that have turned to corruption all over the world. And forcefully and powerfully and authoritatively, he seizes what already belongs to him. Those bodies are his temples that he dwelt in when they lived on the earth. So he's doing something that he has a right to do, but he still has to assert himself. And of course, as he grabs hold of those bodies, Harpazo, they're caught up, they're brought to him, he seizes them and brings them to himself. And in the process, they are glorified and changed into his image eternally. How powerful is that? And that's the same word that is translated force. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, 
God is saying, go after what belongs to you. I've given it to you. Don't let anything steal it from you. I've given you joy. Don't let depression steal it from you. I've given you peace. Don't let anxiety steal it from you. I've given you faith. Don't let unbelief steal it from you. I've given you oneness with God. Don't let memories from the past and a guilt-ridden, self-condemning state of mind steal it from you. You have to forcefully lay hold to what belongs to you and say, joy is mine, peace is mine, victory is mine, healing is mine. With his stripes, I was healed. I'm taking hold of what rightfully belongs to me. Prosperity is mine. God said he wishes above all things that I would prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. I refuse to accept my finances dwindling down to nothing. I claim the blessing of God. I challenge you to have that kind of adamant attitude of mind. No wonder, no wonder one translation of this same passage uses different wording that really encapsulates the whole concept much better. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing with force. And forceful people are taking hold of it. See, you can't just be a laid-back Christian and survive. You've got to realize the moment you get saved, you step out on a battlefield and become a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And a soldier is known by endurance a soldier is known by a willingness to fight to the very end. A soldier is known by complete obedience and submission to his higher authority. A soldier is known by discipline and self-sacrifice. And those things are necessary to have a soldier mentality and to fulfill Matthew eleven twelve. Now, I think it's going to mean a whole lot more to you when we quote it again. From the days of John the Baptist until now, even 2,000 years later, is still happening. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Don't be taken aback by it when it happens. Don't be surprised when you get attacked. Don't get depressed and discouraged when all of a sudden you get backlash from the enemy. It's part of the walk. And you've got to learn how to take it by force and say, you're not robbing me. You demons are not robbing me. This lower nature that I face is not robbing me. I will abide in what my inheritance is declared to be in the word of God. It works. I've seen it happen over and over again. I, I've seen it happen in my own life. I've seen miracles in my own life. I've seen miracles in Elizabeth's life. I've seen miracles in our children. I've seen miracles in hundreds of people's lives just because they had this mindset. It'll work for you too. Take it to heart. Quote this scripture. Embrace it. Live it out in your life today. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. 
We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.